Welcome one and all to episode 178 of the original Giraffe Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox, with me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, we are through the smaller uh, all-star games and into the big ones. And that means the Shrine and the Senior Bowl this week. Um, But before we get into that, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well. We're... We kind of pushed everything back this week a little bit just to um, make sure that we got those senior, some senior bowl in, intel and some weigh in numbers and things like that. And we're going to kind of breeze through, let you know some notes, some things that we're hearing from the senior bowl. We'll talk about some of the shrine game, shrine bowl uh, early standouts. That game is actually taking place on Thursday night. So that's probably going to be when you, when you hear this show. Um, the Shrine Bowl will be taking place. The actual game itself will be taking place that night. <clears throat> and um, But we're going to talk about some of the guys who stood out in the practices. And uh, I did get some of that practice tape and had a chance to go through some of it. Other information that we uh, have tonight, we gleaned from other sources. And then check us out on Patreon this week for the bonus episode. Two bucks a month gets you all of those. We're going to be talking about Daniel Jeremiah's initial top, top 50 and uh, some of the real surprises that we saw from one of the premier tastemakers in the industry. And he put that out right before the first senior bowl practices. So that'll be interesting to, to cover. And if you want to be on the $4 tier, Seth, we call that the generational tier. And uh, I wrote some uh, takeaways from the shrine bowl weigh-ins uh, last weekend that you probably want to check out because there's some interesting numbers coming out of that game. So Let's roll, Seth. We got uh, a lot of all-star to talk about. Yeah, a lot of all-stars, a lot of good things. And, uh, you know, it's been one of those situations where um, things are coming in hot. And if you we're always going to start with this, (laughs) if you if you listen to this podcast, if you subscribe for the four dollar month, I I promise you, you've probably heard almost every single one of these. these names already right like that's that's actually one of the things that's been cool this year is that you know with my extra time which is zero but you know making time for everything um i was able to write about a lot of small school guys that ended up getting senior bowl and trying game invites and then they're performing and people are like oh man this guy and and if you have subscribed you've heard of a lot of these guys uh, but we'll start with some big names, right? And the first one was running back Roshan Johnson. We've talked about him quite a bit because he was getting a lot of love um, in the uh, during the season. People talking about him, you know, that that Texas wouldn't lose anything or doesn't lose much when they put take Bijan off the field. You and I always disagreed with that strongly, but we we like what johnson brings as a day three type of guy right yeah and he came in at about six one and 225 by all accounts looking the part and uh you know he's got he's a big back he's gonna run probably i don't think he's gonna run any better really than about four six i could be wrong about that but he's, he strikes me as about a four six guy for mid four six which at that size is pretty still pretty solid for running back um, but the thing is, he, like you alluded to, he's kind of this year's flavor as far as like, there's always seems to be like one big power five schools backup running back that in, infiltrates people's top five or top 10 running backs. And Roshan Johnson was that guy all year. Um, came in by all accounts, looked really good in his one practice and then uh, broke his hand, injured his hand. And he's going to be out for the remainder of the senior bowl. They called up. Um, I'm trying to remember who but they they did call up one of the running backs. It was uh, Sir Roderick. Uh, what's his last name? Seth, help me out. <laughs> I, I did. I did. <laughs> the not... guy from Texas Tech. Oh, uh, hold on one second. I'll find it because I'm looking yeah. at the Senior Bowl roster right now. I don't want to. But... I don't want to misname him. But his first name is Sir Roderick, and he was called up uh, for the Senior Bowl. Uh, in place of Roshan Johnson. So good start for Roshan Johnson. I guess 
He's one of those guys, don't you think, who we've seen him a lot on Saturdays, and now they got a, one practice out of him. He's a big school guy, uh, had a great way in. We don't really need to see that much more of him. And the hand injury you can kind of deal with with uh, running backs. You know, it's going to heal quickly. Yeah, so Roderick Thompson Jr. Thank you. So he replaces Roshan, as you said. Um, he was at the NFLPA game, came in at 5'11", 215. We saw and a lot of call-ups, actually, from the NFLPA game to the season. Isn't, and, and our, I mean, and we're always going to be super open and honest with you. We're, we are, like, longtime friends, like, has nothing to do with Shrine game stuff. We're longtime friends with a lot of people that work for the Shrine game. Um, and so we, you know, we're cheering for them to be successful just in general. Uh, but it's really interesting that those guys aren't coming from the Shrine game anymore, right? Right. And I mean, part of that is because the overlap in the two games, like I said, the Shrine game, uh, Shrine Bowl is going to be taking place on Thursday, February 2nd. Senior Bowl takes place on Saturday, <clears throat> February 4th. So we've got a lot of jockeying between the two games, I think, for to get certain names in. And we'll uh, circle back to that concept here in a little bit when we talk about the Shrine Bowl, guys. But, um, yeah, that that's where you used to see the call-ups coming from the Shrine Bowl. Now we're seeing the call-ups come from the NFLPA. And um, it was nice to see, though, that, uh, for example, one of the guys called up, and we talked about him last week, was Malik Cunningham, the quarterback from uh, University of Louisville. He was an NFL PA guy. He got the call up this week for the Senior Bowl. He stuck around. He still stuck around in uh, California and played in that NFL PA Bowl before going to Mobile. So that was something that I know there was no overlap between the game and the practices, but he could have left and saved himself the energy. But uh, he chose to play. So that's kind of the cool thing. Um, but yeah, I think the Shrine Bowl has had some success in prying away some of the names that would have been at the senior bowl. And that has left the senior bowl having uh, to dip into that pool of the NFL PA, or maybe even the Hula bowl. Uh, two guys that have been all over Twitter. If you guys are on there, uh, by the way, follow Billy M 91, I believe is his. Yeah. Billy M underscore 91. He's got a lot of great just one-on-one videos and clips and stuff like that from from the Senior Bowl and the Shrine Bowl. So uh, just check that out. But uh, John Michael Schmitz, Dewan Jones, both looking strong early. Michael Schmitz is a guy that I've talked about. I um, He's probably going to be, um, and it's an easy call now, but he's probably going to be my favorite interior offensive line prospect. That's just pure interior. I think Peter Skaronsky is going to end up getting a shot at tackle, depending on who drafts him. Uh, but Schmitz will be my favorite after uh, Luke Whipler because obviously I got to go with the Buckeye. Yeah, but these guys, uh, and we didn't talk about Whipler too in this because we were having a conversation with our buddy Blake Murphy, who uh, used to, you know, do scouting interns with the Arizona Rattlers of the AFL, and so things that you know we've pulled from him that he's pulled from the profession and and one of the things that they talk about a lot is the wrestling background and and you know you and I were talking about it with Blake and and you know every year these people get amazed by guys like Tristan Wirfs, Tyler Linderbaum and now Schmitz and and you mentioned Whippler like these guys that wrestle like they tend to be really good with leverage and with utilizing whether or not they're undersized or you know regular sized or in in schmidt's case really big um you know using their leverage and and understanding how to get guys in a position where they can uh work them and and be successful yeah i want to say brandon sheriff was also uh also had a wrestling background um but yeah schmidt's he came in six three three oh six 32, almost 33-inch arms. So he's built like a center, built like an interior lineman, but also like a good size there. You know, right. he's not small, he's not big, but he's the right size to play center. Well, because that was the, I mean, and, and Linderbaum ended up being, a, I, I, he had a really good season and he was graded out as one of the better centers in the NFL. 
And, you know, that was one of the big things is he was sub 300 pounds and people were like, oh, you know. Yeah, and there was rumors that he was playing at like 270, 275. And, and that's the thing. I'm not going to say it doesn't matter because it, it does matter. But I think people overstate it when you're talking about guys that aren't just good, but elite because like elite wrestlers. And, and that's the thing is like, if you go back in high school, Linderbaum beat Tristan Wirfs, who was like, right. you know, the, the best bigger than he was than Linderbaum. Not just that, but like the best high or like offensive line athlete we've probably seen come out in the last decade. Yeah. Probably since like Trent Williams or something like that. And so, I mean, that's, you have to take that into consideration. Now, you know, I don't want people to misunderstand what we're saying. Like if they're like, Hey, yeah, I wrestled when I was five. No, we're not <laughs> talking about that. Like we're talking about guys, like high are, end high school, right. State all, champion contender wrestlers. Like right. That that, right. That were all state or a region yeah. champion type guys that, that wrestled at a high level, especially if you see that they've wrestled other really good football players. Um, you know, that helps out the other guy. And, and, yeah, let's and, talk. Can I talk about this guy? Because this is yeah. a, a literal giant. So here, here's my big question. How important is athletic testing going to be for him? Because you and I talked about the giant from Minnesota last year and his name's escaping me right now. Um, yeah. Fall lately. Yeah. That's at, that's in uh, Baltimore as well. Right. 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 Now that's a good question. So, and I want to be consistent with this. So I think athletic testing is going to going to matter with DeWan Jones from Ohio State, but I think first of all, I think he'll be more athletic than Daniel Falele was coming out of Minnesota. And the other thing is, like, look at this. This guy is six eight, three hundred seventy five pounds. He came in with thirty six and five eighths inch arms, so almost thirty seven inch arms, and eleven and three eighths inch hands. Like this dude is enormous. Every bit of him, you know, just to get his one paw on you, he's going to stop you in your tracks. He's too big to get around. And he, I think if you look at the tape, to me, he moves better than uh, Daniel Falele did. And he looks more athletic and he just puts guys on the ground. So this is an interesting prospect because to me, a guy this size is probably right tackle only. Because he is generally too big to play guard because there's no quarterback in the league outside of Justin Herbert and maybe a couple other guys who can see over him when he's in the pocket. <clears throat> but you put him on the right side, and, and we always bring up these names, you know, guys that were these um, giant right tackles, something like a Phil Lode Holt. I know Bryant McKinney, uh, he actually did get to play left tackle for a long time. You know, he's not as athletic as Ogden, who was another big guy who played tackle. But the idea is when you have a guy this tall, this big, you put him at right tackle, you're going to have success. He's, it's, he's going to be – he's too big to be out of the league in a year or two. And he's too – he's been too good uh, on tape in his time at Ohio State. And so far at the Senior Bowl, he's just burying guys in those one-on-ones. A guy that stood out early is uh, wide receiver Jaden Reed. And, you know, we're only on day two of, of one-on-ones and those type of things. And, and you know, it's interesting when you look at these guys as they come into the Senior Bowl from, from you know, Western Michigan via Michigan or Michigan State via Western Michigan. And they have these these seasons right so you look at his his freshman year in 2018 uh 797 yards so just 800 yards and eight touchdowns as a as a true freshman and then he transfers sits out a year this was pre-covid and then he comes in in the covid year at michigan state um 400 yards in only seven games, which is actually good. I mean, let's be honest, 400 yards in seven games. And then in 2021, he burst on the scene and he became a guy that everybody kind of really wanted to follow up in 2022. In 21, he had over a thousand yards, 10 touchdowns. 
uh, over 17 yards per reception. And, and you were kind of like, man, this is a guy that's going to explode because everybody kind of felt like Michigan state was on the come up. Right. Because they had, they had that big 2021, Everybody and Reed felt, also, I think, scored a rushing touchdown and had two punt return touchdowns. So, I mean, he, I think he had 14 total touchdowns. He was second to uh, Travion Henderson in the as far as like Big Ten returning touchdown scores coming into 2022. And then he gets to this year, and it's one of those things that happens all the time, and especially in college when you're not at a a you know one of the blue bloods. And Michigan State fell off the map. I mean, five wins. And with that, kind of tanked Reed's, uh, you know, the progress he had made for people looking at him as a potential as a potential high-level pick coming up in the 2023 NFL draft. He finished with 636 yards and five touchdowns. Um, you mentioned the rushing, you know, he he finished with four carries for eleven yards, no touchdowns this year. Uh, he returned kicks and punts in in just a couple games, no touchdowns in that. And if you go back and watch, he doesn't look as explosive or elusive, but he also looked like he was being, especially late in the year, like he was being hampered by just the sheer inconsistency of this team. Yeah. They didn't have Kenneth Walker, you know, um, they lost some other starters on the, on the line and things like that. So it was an offense in flux and Reed Reed's statistics suffered. But I think what you've seen, uh, you know, he, he came in and weighed in. He's not a very big guy. He's, he's five ten, almost five eleven, 191 pounds. Not a great uh, catch radius. 30 and a half inch arms, you know, he has the look of a slot receiver, but what you see, um, you've seen him play outside at Michigan state and have some success. But what you've seen in the drills is how quick footed he is and how easily he gets open in the intermediate part of the field in those intermediate routes. So I think that's where, He's he's more uh, in the NFL level. He's more of a possession guy. He's going to be more of a flanker or slot receiver, depending on the rest of the team's receiving core. I don't think he's going to be an X, not that size. He's not going to be a a huge burner. But the fact that we know he can return punts, um, they were saving him health wise by not doing him uh, involving him that much at Michigan State this year. But we know he can do it. We know he's effective at it. We know he's dangerous. Uh, he's got value there now as a third receiver and a return guy. And so he now he's showing up against some of the best, at least uh, senior defensive backs. And he seems to be beating them pretty readily in these one-on-ones. And he, we're not talking about the Braxton Miller routes. And I hate to pick on him because so many – you could talk about um, – you know, the Andy uh, Isabella routes or whatever, you know, the, those routes that people, that guys run in the senior bowl practices that they just aren't going to ever have time to do in the, in a pro game. But uh, Reed's getting open quickly and, and uh, readily with his quick feet. So I, I, I'm uh, still high on him, you know, as high as I can be on a senior receiver at this size. So, um, but he's going to be a good value play for somebody in like the late third or fourth round. I would say he he has the feeling of like a a ninety to one twenty pick. Yeah, then, yeah, and if that, he lands with the right team, it's he's going to be productive. That then people lament that he he lasted so long, right? Yeah, and then they're going to look next year. They're going to look for Jaden Reed in the first round, right? Uh, a guy that I've written about probably a half dozen times already, and, and I think uh, I think I probably did too um, in the box score scouting articles. And he's just a guy that we've loved all year. One of the big things coming for him was what he's going to, you know, weigh in size-wise at. And and he, you know, he really stepped up because he was listed at 5'10", 190. And we're talking about Ty J. Spears of Tulane, who came in at uh, weight-wise 204 pounds. And you might be saying, well, you know, did he put on too much weight? 5'9 and a half, 204 
he still looks freaking explosive in all the drills and all the one-on-ones and all the situations. Yeah. He's he, a 4-4 uh, guy too. I mean, he's fast. He's quick and fast. Yeah, he's going to be really intriguing because he's going to be a litmus test of what people th- or what the NFL thinks of guys that are still a little small, you know, at, at 205 basically, and he's probably going to play closer to 200. But like you said, he's a he's going to be a burner and this guy has done nothing but produce every single year. Um, you know, he he averages 6.8 yards per carry in his career. And you might say, well, he had, you know, 32 attempts as a as a freshman and then 37 attempts as a freshman and then 129 attempts as a freshman because that's how they list his years. You <laughs> He's know. A, he had three freshman years. I love it. You know, but he had 229 rushing attempts this year. And he had and he averaged 6.9 yards per carry. So above his career average. You put with that that he's averaged over 11 yards per reception in almost his career. Almost 12. Yeah, yeah, almost 12. And, and to be honest, the only reason he's down is because last year he had a bad year receiving yards-wise. Every year after that, he's averaged over 11 yards per reception. Last year was 7.6. And I think Tulane had a bad year that year. They only yeah. won two or three games and, before and, rebounding to, to have a great year this year. Right, two games, and then this year, you know, winning the um, what was yeah, the, the New Year's game? Day Bowl? Yeah, winning year. the winning the Cotton Bowl in an amazing game where you know Spears played great again, and and this is a guy that's you know eighteen hundred yards from scrimmage, seven point three yards per touch, and twenty one touchdowns. This guy is a freak, and and he scored a touchdown a game career. One and a half touchdowns a game this year, but a touchdown per game over the course of his entire career. Um, our buddies at Roster Watch on Twitter, uh, at Roster Watch, <laughs> they uh, they compared him to Michael Carter, who had a fantastic rookie year as a fourth round pick for the Jets. So I I think that's a good comp. It's at yeah, least a favorable comp, right? And you look at it, like I said, I you can't understate what he did the final three games of his Tulane career, like the, the final three games that this guy played were otherworldly. And I don't want to take away from everything he did all season, but I mean, against, against Cincinnati um, in, in a must win game, you know, they, he went for 35 carries for 181 yards and, and two touchdowns. Um, against Central Florida in in whatever the um, whatever that conference championship is, I, I can't remember. Is that Conference USA still? Yeah, it's uh, yeah. He had 199 yards and one touchdown, and then against USC in the Cotton Bowl, he had 17 carries for 205 yards and four touchdowns, 12 yards per carry. This dude put up 609 yards rushing in the final three games of the season, like, and, and seven touchdowns. Like, he just, you talk about putting the team on your back, like, Ty J. Spears did that. I'm glad other people are getting to know him a little more. Um, you know, this is a great opportunity for him, and he's, and of he's course, produced. Yeah, and of course, when we say Conference USA, we meant AAC. That is the conference that Tulane plays in. Yeah. Not Conference USA, but I wanted to also mention Tyje Spears. He has the biggest hands of any running back at the Senior Bowl or the Shrine Game. So he's this little guy. He's five nine and a half. We won. We were curious if he would weigh two hundred pounds, and he's got ten inch hands. He's got giant mitts, and uh, that's going to help you hold on to the ball. Um, something you like to see from a small bar ball carrier like that. Nebraska wide receiver Trey Palmer. Um, He's looked really good. Again, Billy M underscore 91. He's got a ton of clips, including some of Palmer um, already. And this and, is another guy that you and I talked about, wrote about. You know, if, you're, if you've heard our bonus episodes or read our articles, you've heard about Trey Palmer. And, and 
you know, he finally broke out this year, which is amazing that he broke out at Nebraska of all places, right? But 71 receptions for over 1,000 yards, nine touchdowns. He also had five carries for 75 yards, so, you know, 15 yards per carry when they used him as a gadget guy. And and you look at it, he played on a team that was freaking four and eight, and he still put up with a, a a mess of different guys at quarterback, and he still put up those numbers. Um, you know, six foot, what do you come in at? Uh, he came in at six foot, even 193. Yeah. So, I mean, just what he's listed at almost in, in everything, which is nice, you know. And he's saying he's going to run in the four twos. Now, that's something to be decided if he, you know, at the combine, whatever. But this dude does play fast. I mean, there's a clip that Billy has right now on his Twitter where the defensive back can't even get out of his break of his back pedal. And he's already by him. So this guy is a a legit speedster. And he finally had a year where he where he was able to utilize it because he was at LSU for the national championship game, but understandably buried on the depth chart. And then he kind of dealt with the, you know, next two years of LSU not being good. Um, you know, Max Johnson and, and TJ Finley and Miles Brennan, you know, that year he was, you know, they had Butte and, and Marshall, Ter- Terrace Marshall Jr. still, but, you know, he was kind of buried. And then last year, uh, again, not good. Ed O'Dron gets fired. Max Johnson's kind of not great um you know we've talked about what happened with Butte that last year and so the fact that he was able to do that at nebraska i think speaks to this isn't a guy that was like overlooked because it's not like he you know had to go somewhere that was like bama right <laughs> like yeah. and i'm not you know i'm not saying anything about jameson williams but like he went to Nebraska and put up numbers. It's not like he was, yeah. you know, went to play with a five-star quarterback and, and do all this stuff. And 4-2 might <clears throat> might seem like a stretch, but we know Palmer is a speed demon because he ran a 10-4-200 meters in high school, you know, before getting into the strength training that you uh, get between LSU and Nebraska. And then all he did at Nebraska was have the second most – catches in a season of any Nebraska receiver ever. He also broke their single season record for receiving yards. And he also broke their single game record for receiving yards. So this guy, he goes down in Nebraska history. And now he's saying he might go down in combine history. If he runs that four, two, um, certainly that's something I, I think he is going to run at least in the four threes. He, he, he can flat out fly. Um, this is a guy I want to ask you about because I don't get as much West Coast exposure till after the season when I get to, to kind of circle back on guys. But uh, Stanford cornerback, Caillou Blue Kelly, <clears throat> he's had a good couple of practices. And um, especially today, he had a big interception at the end of the, one, of their se- uh, one of their sessions. And afterwards, he was interviewed and he said he models his game after Denzel Ward cornerback for the Cleveland Browns. I believe he's a Pro Bowl corner. He's uh, He was in the top five draft pick out of Ohio State. He's been a very good player. Um, what do you think of Caillou Blue Kelly? You know, he's a guy that was bantered around as being a first-round pick this year right. after a great uh, junior season where he had two interceptions and 11 passes defense. He also had a forced fumble, and then he came back this year. And, you know, it's one of those situations where – things get really bad at a school and all of a sudden good players don't play well. Um, you know, you and I aren't huge Tanner McKee fans, but like Tanner McKee had his worst year. Uh, they, they had no running back rush for over 500 yards, which really think about that. Stanford had no running back rush for over 500 yards. Like that's, I mean, they made a coaching change for the first time in, God knows how how long, right? Right, and and so, 
you know, Blue Kelly, he just was a guy I feel like that was part of that that team that kind of everybody just craps the bed all at once where you're like, oh, this, these are guys that, you know, have played well in the past, have had good seasons, but this was just a season where he, he just didn't look the part, man. Like he straight up just didn't look like he was interested as, as he had before or as aggressive, um, which is disappointing because this was a guy that, you know, over the first three years, you know, 2020 was difficult, but, you know, he, he improved from 2019 to 2021 quite a bit and became a guy that like, like we said, was being mocked in the first round. Um, it's one of those situations where I think that people are going to overthink him because I don't want to say he had a bad year. I mean, you go back and look, he, he gave up two touchdowns this year. Um, but I think it's the lack of on-ball production that is concerning this year because he did have uh, 42 targets thrown at him. And, and like we said, he only had, um, you know, a couple six passes defense this year. Like that's down from last year where he had 13 total, uh, you know, hands on balls in 64 targets. So, you know, that's a guy that you went from, you know, one every five targets to, you know, one every eight targets or so. And, and that's I'm sure somebody's going to have fun with the fact that you just said hands on balls. Yeah. Um, he now can he run like Denzel Ward because he's uh, Kelly is six foot 193. He's got good arms, uh, you know, th- over third, almost 32 inch arms. That's good for a corner. Uh, Ward was a guy who ran four three one. Um, I think when he talks about playing uh, modeling his game after Denzel Ward, he's a very uh, aggressive corner guy who can play and make big hits at the line of scrimmage if he needs to be aggressive, be physical. The even if um, you know in Ward's case being a little bit smaller, uh, but he can can Kelly run that fast? No, he's going to be a mid four four guy. Okay, because when you can run a four three like Denzel Ward, you can make up for. Uh, you can make up some ground pretty quickly when you're on a mid four, four could be more difficult, especially if you're on a guy like Trey Palmer. Right. And so that's, what's going to be interesting is I think he's going to be, end up being a guy that's like a zone guy because okay. I don't, I don't think he's going to be able to run. Hasn't um, that kind of been the, tr- the case with Stanford corners traditionally that they right. end up being zone guys. Yeah. And, and, that's the thing is like if you if you play a defense to his strength he's a guy that can come in and make plays because we've seen him be productive um but you know he he's going to be a really intriguing case again kind of like dewan jones where the measurements you know the 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 size um is that going to is that going to match up with the athleticism and mm-hmm. you know how does that how does that uh, make NFL teams feel? Right. Speaking of cornerbacks, and this is a guy that can run, and another one that we have followed closely going back to the summer of 2021 because he was set to be a senior that year. But he ended up coming back for 2022 after an injury. That's Iowa corner Riley Moss. He is another – he's a speedster. He's a low 4-4 guy, maybe a high 4-3. Um, even coming off injury last year, he came in six feet tall, 192 pounds, almost as, as almost the same size as Caillou Blue Kelly. Um, a little bit shorter arms, about an inch shorter. He's uh, just about 30 and a half, 30 and three eighths. Now the question is, why are people putting Riley Moss at safety? Um, he's a track guy. He's got speed. He's played corner throughout his career at Iowa. He's played corner very well. They're putting him at safety because he's a white guy. And uh, I think that's a mistake. I think he's going to stick at corner. And I think that the, uh, you know, the move, the the theoretical move to safety is almost kind of a reflexive reaction to people looking at him. But you have to look at him play. He was a very 
he's played corner at a high level at Iowa. He has, and like you said last or yeah, last year he was having part of that Iowa team that was the, the, they were all having a great year last year. He was year. phenomenal in 2021 and and then he got before hurt. The, yeah, before that injury. It's that that's that was so rough because he was having such a fantastic year. He started the year with a couple of uh interceptions in a game early and, he, and they they were both pick sixes and he's a player who has uh 11 career interceptions and 26 career pass breakups this is a guy you cannot keep him away from the ball he's going to find a way this year just the one interception but 11 pass breakups and two forced fumbles he's he's a playmaker at cornerback i don't know why you'd want to move him off there you have to watch this guy he's not you don't have to put him at safety don't overthink him let's go to the shrine game real quick uh our buddies over there they've had They've had a great week. Um, maybe the most impressive guy is is Zay Flowers, the the Boston College wide receiver who we're seeing mocked in the first round. Yeah, a lot of people really high on Zay Flowers. He is somebody you're going to have to deal with his his size. You know that's going to be the drawback for a Zay Flowers because he's five nine, hundred eighty two pounds. And there's no catch radius, really. He's 29 and a quarter inch arms. He's just very small, a very small target. But he's got great speed. He's he's uh, going to run a sub 4-4. Four, four, and he's great with the ball in his hands after the catch. He also got a lot of um, carries out of the backfield for Boston College, whether it be just, care, just direct uh, tosses or handoffs and jet sweep action. He's just an electric guy with the ball in his hands. I know the Senior Bowl wanted him. He stuck with the Shrine game after an early commitment. Love to see that. Uh, unfortunately, he wasn't able to. We're not going to see him in the game, I don't think, because uh, his his week was cut short. But he did give it a go in the first practice, and he looked good. And I think that's probably enough to satisfy people because uh, if you like him, you like him. And, and um, there's not a lot of size, but you got speed and you got playmaking ability. And a player who does look comfortable playing on the outside despite his diminutive stature. Diminutive is the uh, word of the day for some of these shrine game guys. Uh, BJ, <laughs> BJ Thompson. He's not one of them, though, because he's 6'5. Yeah, but he's only 238. Yeah, okay, okay. So he's, and he's, he's a, slender. He's, yeah, he's well, built like a he's built like a a small forward more than a uh, than a edge rusher, right? Right. Um. But and he's got those long arms, thirty four inch arms. Yeah, he's he is built kind of like a wing. Um, big hands, ten inch hands, eighty two and a half inch wingspan. Speaking of wing, um. But this is a guy. His name keeps coming up and up and up in all of these conversations. By, by the way, standing he, out. Yeah, he's from Stephen F. Austin. He's an FCS guy. Sorry, we should have mentioned that. So he's, you know, this he's is the one second of the guys. Stephen F. Austin guy we've talked about in two weeks. Yeah, I mean, maybe we, just, maybe we just get into FCS and forget about everything else. <laughs> the new FCS uh, breakdown podcast. That's right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you're talking about a guy that's been, you know, highly productive while at Stephen F. Austin. Um, you know, eleven in eleven games, he had fifteen tackles, and um, he ended up with what five sacks on the season. But he had twenty quarterback hurries. Like he's a guy that gets a lot of pressure, and he was number thirty six on uh, Feldman's freak list. Um, and I think it was twenty one. Where or was it? What year was it that he had the big year production wise? Yeah, it was it was last year, his junior year. He, you know, he was uh first team all conference and he had 13 and a half tackles for loss and 10 and a half sacks. And then you look at it, he broad jumped eleven three and clocked a four five six. That's ridiculous. I mean And he's supposed to have a, a forty inch vertical. Yeah. Somebody's taking this guy on day two, right? I feel like this is another guy that the Senior Bowl 
would have loved to have, and they and they didn't get him in there. So um, props to our guys at the Shrine for ha- hanging on to uh, B.J. Thompson. He he looks like a. I mean, if you're talking about that athleticism, that freak athleticism, you're going to get success. It's just a matter of getting. You know, we've seen. Look at Hassan Reddick. You don't have to have a ton of weight. Now with Thompson, you've got a, a bigger target because of his height. He's he's slim. He's going. You're going to want to bulk him up ten or fifteen pounds. But he's young, and uh, most young guys, especially with that height, they can do that. So I'm excited to see what what he's got. I'm excited for his combine based on those uh, numbers you quoted. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting because he came in at 210 but they're the same at 238 so you know 28 pounds but we talked about it he's he's kind of that lean body kind of like a cave on Thibodeau right mm-hmm. where he's not like you said he's not as bulky as some guys so it's gonna be really interesting um to watch N- next on the list is uh wide receiver Justin Shorter from- I wrote about him last weekend because of his pedigree, right? He's a former five-star recruit. Yeah, and he he's really interesting because he came in at 6'3", almost 6'4", and 224 pounds. Right. Um, I, I, he's a really intriguing player. He had his best year at Florida this year after, you know, he had two years at Florida after a couple of years at Penn State. He was one of the top receiver recruits in the country, if not the top receiver recruit, depending on which... Um, you know, recruiting service you're looking at, but to come in six four, almost six four two twenty four, almost thirty four inch arms, just a shade under ten inch hands. He's got a huge catch radius, big target, and supposedly runs a sub four, uh, four four five. So he, he I think uh, as a recruit, he ran a four four four. Usually, the a lot of Florida guys uh, tend to keep that up and test well. It's a big time sec program they have good um strength training and and shorter comes in impressive weigh-in and then all accounts throughout the week where he was impressive in the drills too um that's a guy you've got to keep an eye on and and you you have to think he's not going to go in the first two rounds but when you're looking in the fourth and fifth round for a receiver this guy's on the board with his um, sub four five speed and his huge frame. You got to take this guy, and he's going to be a player you can develop, and who might become a starter for you down the road at at a bargain price. A guy that we've talked about quite a bit is uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson. I called it. <laughs> he came in a little t- a little uh, taller at six one and a half. But a little leaner at 190 pounds. He's a mm-hmm. uh, he's a slight guy, man. Um, it's it's really interesting because he's kind of been the talk of all the quarterbacks at either All Star Clinic. Right. Um, he's gotten some good reviews out of, coming out of the Shrine Bowl, where we haven't heard much about any senior bowl quarterbacks or at least not anything very good. Uh, most of the things that we're hearing is just lamenting that uh, people like Will Levis and Stetson Bennett didn't show up or did, did not accept their invites to come in. So it's a, it's a lean quarter quarterback class in terms of um, prospects and in terms of their weigh-ins. We, we've talked about this quite a bit. So many of these guys are small. <clears throat> if you look at the Shrine Bowl, uh DTR comes in six one and a half, but then you've got a couple other guys, uh, Tanner Morgan, Tommy DeVito, that that were under six one. Um, even the guys that are a little bigger, uh like Aiden O'Connell, six three, he comes in at two twelve. That's pretty slim. So you have to look at uh, Chase Bryce and Tim Demorat for your bulk, and those guys, you know, uh Demorat was at Fordham. Bryce was a late addition to the shrine. So when you look at senior bowl quarterbacks, uh, you kind of have more of the same. So you just don't, it's not a great, you, Clayton Toon 
was supposed to come in and be the big guy. He's 6'2", 216. Uh, Hendon Hooker, who's not work, who's not practicing because of the injury, he's almost 6'4", but he's only 208. And then Jake Hayner's only six foot. Uh, Jaron Hall's only six feet tall. Malik Cunningham's a shade under six feet tall. Max Duggan was only 6'1". You have Tyler Bajant is 6'3", but again, only 213. So it just there's not – it's a lean quarterback class in more ways than one. A guy we've talked about on this, he came in a little shorter, but hit the weight. Uh, that's A.T. Perry of Wake Forest. They listed him at 6'5". He came in at 6'3 and a third, uh, so over 6'3", but one he, he did weigh 195. Uh Long arms, almost 34-inch arms, great wingspan, um, surprisingly small hands for, for how big he is. You but know, not, too, about, not too not, small. Still not, over not overly small, yeah, over nine, but like like you were talking about, you got a guy in uh, in Tajay Spears with 10-inch hands that's 5'9", and then right. this guy's almost, you know, over 6'3", and it's nine and, nine and a quarter. Um, but he's been winning consistently um he's going to be a 4-5 high 4-4 four, four, low 4-5 four, guy do the 2 inches make that big of a difference no cuz he's still almost 6-3 and a half and um i thought you know actually i expect him to be a little shorter i thought he came in a little lighter than what he was going to but the thing is, he at least you, came in at his listed weight, and he's just so smooth. He he is. I've, we've seen some weight guys come out late uh, in the last few years that just were they were big, but they were slow. And Perry looks better than those guys. He he looks quicker. He looks smoother and faster. Um, I'm excited to see what his combine looks like because if you look at the recruiting testing numbers out of high school, they weren't great. There was nothing really there but when you look at these shrine bowl practices he looks really smooth and um he's intriguing he's an older prospect i think he's gonna be 24 as a rookie but that's okay um we're going to have to as we've begun to discuss much to to my chagrin we're going to have to start recalibrating that at least until we clear out these extra years of eligibility. And, and uh, that's just going to be the way of life. There are going to be 24 and 25 year olds in these classes. And um, it's going to be more than more normal than it used to be. Got a couple hot takes. Um, the first one I wanted to get from you. Uh, so Jim Nagy uh, talking about, Riley Moss, um, and you know uh, Corey R Analytics Corey Yates on Twitter said just saw cornerback Riley Moss live at Senior Bowl practice and was one of my standout players. Really good movement skills and matched receivers vertically with relative ease. Also demonstrated good ball skills with the pass breakup. Yeah, so that's great. Uh, Lewis Reddick chimed in. Lewis Reddick of ESPN um, fame, a guy that a lot of people want to see becoming in the NFL, um, despite the the failure of Mike Mayock. Do they still uh, want to? Uh, he responded to that and said, "The best athlete I saw live the entire college football season." So talking about Riley Moss, yeah, man. That's high praise. Um, I would, I, I guess I would say, how so? Because <laughs> we know he's fast. So, I mean, here's the thing with Moss, and and you and I love him. We want him to yeah. get a chance to play corner. We think. I thought before the day, before the injury last year, going into 2021, I even said I thought he was going to be a day two pick before and- the the productive interception year and you look at him he his awareness is what makes him so great he he's incredibly aware and he makes plays in zone and in but he has that athleticism to to match guys vertically and man if needed um that i mean that's just 
like you said, that's like super high praise. And and I don't I don't know who Riddick saw all season, but like you have to assume he saw everybody. He's right? talking about college, the, right? Because yeah, yeah. doesn't he do Monday night football? <laughs> not not anymore, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, right. Um but, but yeah, I just thought that was a really interesting like that's like you said, like we're we're we, high. We need on a him. rundown of Lewis Riddick games. Yeah. So that we can poke holes in that. Um he's I mean, he's a former NFL defensive back. That counts for something, right? Right. And you look at it, I mean, you see what Moss has done. I mean, he was a top ten nationally in the the one ten hurdles. I mean, that's elite athleticism. I, it, there's no other way around it. Like that's just elite athleticism. So he's a guy that can move. Um, and as a former, yeah, NFL DB, a guy that does a lot of scouting, I think what he's saying is let this guy get a chance to play corner in the NFL before. Then we I hundred percent agree with him. If that's, <laughs> if that's what he's angling at, you know, I don't need the hyperbole, but um, it, like I said, maybe he only went to a couple, maybe he only went to a Northwestern game after that. But um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, no shade to Northwestern. I enjoy the games there. But you know what I mean? Maybe he, he didn't cover a lot of SEC games, let's say, or Ohio State. But um, yeah, if he's saying make sure Riley Moss gets a shot at cornerback, then I will pound the table in agreement. And um, <clears throat> you know, you don't have to go to, to extreme lengths to make that point. The proof is on on tape, and it's going to be in the athletic testing. Riley Moss is a corner uh, through and through, and I think he's going to be a good one. Anything else before we get out of here? No. uh, I want to tell you, join join our Patreon because we're going to be talking about DJ's Top 50. And if you saw it, you know there's some interesting things to – some notes to hit there. Um, I hope you want to hear our takes on that. We did release our Patreon episode out on iTunes last week. So if you hadn't had, haven't had a chance, go back and listen to that. That's, that'll give you an idea of how our bonus episodes go and, and you can make the call. But again, two bucks a month, it's, uh, you know, you can't even get a cup of coffee that cheap anymore unless you use a vending machine, which is gross. So uh, sign up for, for our Patreon. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back later this week with a bonus episode. Have a good night. We need to do an outro at some point. Just something kind of... What I hear in other shows is where they're like, uh, you know, uh, subscribe and give us a five-star review. Sign up for our Patreon. It's $2.00. A month for our bonus episodes, four dollars a month for all additional content, something like that. Yeah, we should work on something like that. That could be it right there. A read, yeah. That's it. Exactly.